Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's get into the Word of God together tonight. We've been speaking this month. Our theme is grow and our, our theme for the whole year, the Word that God has put in our heart for 2019 is enlarged out of Isaiah 54 verses 1 through to 2. And I'm not going to read that passage to you, but I believe that one of the most important things that we ever need to grow in is not only grace, I spoke about that this morning, and what it means to grow in grace, to see that enlarge in your life. But we need to understand that faith in the Bible is not merely believing in God, but faith in the Bible is a spiritual force and power. The Bible never talks about faith as a mental state of believing that God exists or that uh, God is, you know, in heaven or any of that stuff. It's not even faith in the Scripture. It's not just believing that the Bible is the Word of God, but it's the conduit by which we receive every blessing that comes from God. I don't have the time tonight, but if you go, for instance, to Hebrews chapter 11 and read about the first 40 verses of that chapter, it'll give you some idea of the scope of what faith does because almost every verse begins with by faith. And you'll discover everything in there from people that were childless getting a child, people that were being oppressed, finding release, uh, people that were in low positions, getting promoted and getting into influence. There's a, quite a range of stuff in there, family situations, sickness things, it's all in there. And faith in the Scripture is the thing by which uh, the miracles of God and the answers of God come to our life. Just uh, take this away. If I haven't got time to kind of explain it and prove it all. But think of the number of times when somebody got healed in the ministry of Jesus that he turned to them and he said, go your way, your faith has made you whole. He never said, because I'm the son of God and because I've come down here and I've got miracles. He never brought it into himself. We know that it was his power, but he said to them, and I think the reason he said it was because he wanted them to go away knowing that it wasn't that they had to stay in his physical presence, but that something inside of them had contacted and had touched God in a supernatural way, and that's why the answer had come. In other words, he wanted to empower them to go back to wherever they went. Like, for instance, the gathering demoniac went back to Decapolis, which simply means 10 cities. Now, if you study that one in church history, you'll discover that a great revival occurred in that cluster of 10 cities after the resurrection. Why? Because one man, Jesus said, you go back there, you go and tell them everything I did. And so every believer is meant to not only be a, a capsule of faith that sits in their life, but they're meant to take that wherever they go. It's not like faith works in a church service, but heaven forbid it'll never work in my workplace. Or it won't work if I'm out in the community, or it won't work if I'm somewhere or other else. Listen, faith is, is God's uh, weaponry, God's tools, if you like, for what God wants to do to take place. And you have that. Romans chapter 12 says, God has dealt to every person the measure of faith. 
So you don't need to think to yourself, well, I don't feel, Jeff, like I'm very full of faith. I don't feel like I've got much. Because it's not about what you feel, it's about what God says about you. And I believe that we need more and more believers that go, you know what, I can be a part of the answer. Never be embarrassed or intimidated to say to somebody, my church is going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Would you like me to pray with you now? Don't get weirdo on them because that, that won't help. Don't promise them that, you know, you're going to, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. But a genuine loving and caring heart that's bold to say, God will help you and I'm going to pray that he will. And uh, just do that. And I believe that it's a, an amazing, amazing gift that you can give to somebody else. But obviously, if all that's so, and it is, then growing in faith has got to be pretty desirable. In other words, wouldn't it be terrible if, you know, I stayed the same size I was that I was born? Wouldn't it be terrible if I'd never grown from where I was as a child? But I grow, why? Because everything God designs has got the capacity to grow and to increase. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says this, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In other words, there is a progression that's available. You can start at one level of believing and you can go to another one. I'll show you that a little bit later on and what that looks like. But the faith that I have now can grow. I can see God do more in my life. I can see God do more through my life and I can see more of God's blessing in my life in Jesus' name. So I'm preaching this and sharing this with you tonight, but I'm hoping that every one of you here is going to go, yes, yes, yes. I want that in my life. I don't want to stay a stunted Christian. I don't want to be a bonsai believer. You know, somebody that the devil has been able to keep small and have a small world and a small mentality. And after all, I'm not that and I can't be that and I can't be something rather else. I'm praying that every one of you here, and I'm about ready to launch and run over the chairs. Uh, I want every one of you here to go, yes, that's for me. I'm going to get this in my life in Jesus' name. I don't know. I don't know you all here, but I know that the devil is called the father of lies. And it's not a matter of telling lies to other people, but it's a matter of the lies he tries to sow into your soul. You know, you get born again, you get saved, you come to Christ. Out of all the people on the planet, you managed somehow or other to be someone that's experienced and encountered Christ. And then the devil spends the rest of your life trying to tell you, you aren't really much at all. Think about that. Honestly. Honestly, well, I don't hear God. I always say to people, well, did you get saved? And they go, yeah. I go, well, then you've obviously heard God because Jesus said, no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draw him. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. So you've got to have heard God. That's how you got saved. And the mere fact that the entire, the entirety of heaven, Jesus said, when one sinner repents, the whole of heaven goes into party mode. And so heaven's been in party mode over your life. But the, the devil convinces us, we should go and go, well, yeah, but you know, and I'm not, and I really can't, and I'm such a pathetic Christian. You were a pathetic sinner, quite frankly. Huh? Anybody here was a champion sinner? Some of you probably thought you were pretty good at it. 
But you come to Christ and your eternal destiny gets changed by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for you before you even knew anything about it. And the grace of God reached out to you and touched you and you got saved, but you're nobody. Really? How's that possible? I can't, honestly, you got to shake your head and go, how did we ever believe such nonsense in our heads? But I'm just convinced it's such a pervasive lie. I, I grew up going to church, but I was always, you know, kind of, we expected to be poor because God wanted us poor. We expected to be sick because God was going to test us. We expected to have a life full of pain, this veil of tears. And no one ever told me that there was a valley of the shadow of death that had an end. No one had ever quoted to me Psalm 23 verse 5 and 6 where after he goes through the valley of the shadow of death in verse 4, he then goes on and says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And my cup runs over, my head gets anointed with oil. My enemies are sitting at my feet. And so we took half the gospel. We took getting saved on earth. We never took the rest of what God had for us. We never said, I can live a great life. I can live a victorious life. We never said, Jesus wants to make something great out of this piece of flesh called you and I and do something awesome that can impact the world around about me. We never did that. And because we never did that, we all just sat there going, oh, well, God doesn't move much. Well, God does move in extraordinary ways. But he needs you and I to step up and go, you know what, I'm going to go from the faith. I don't know where you think your faith is at. You might go, Jeff, mine is like a grain of mustard seed. It's that tiny. I've actually got a grain of mustard seed there in my diary. I'm not going to get it out because you wouldn't be able to see it anyway. It's that tiny. It's like literally way ahead of a pin size stuff. You might go, well, that's all I've got. And I'd say to you, awesome. But you know, there's more than that. Your faith can grow. We read that in Romans 1.17. Let's read about another group of people whose faith was also growing. Second Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 3 says this, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. How many people are going, I would like to have been in that church? The church that Paul wrote to and said, I'm watching you, observing you. Your faith is over the top. It is extraordinary. It's growing, not just growing, it's growing exceedingly. Turn to your neighbour and say, exceedingly is a great word. Not used often enough. Exceedingly. And we go, wow. And your love is abounding. One for us. Oh, yes, thank God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You go, isn't that awesome? But let's read verse 4. How many people know after you read the great verse, you should always read the one after it? So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith, wait for it, in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. What a crazy kind of a notion that is, that somehow or other these people's faith's growing exceedingly and yet, They've got persecution and trouble all around about. Let me just do a quick survey here. I just want to find out if I'm speaking to humans. Uh, how many of you here go, Jeff, I have experienced persecution and trouble in my life? Just give me a little wait. You say, that's me. I've had it. How many people here go, I've never had any persecution. I've never had any trouble. My life has just been so sweet. It's just been like remarkable. I don't know what problems are. Okay, so I'm talking to humans. That's great. Thank you for that. Uh, 
So these people's faith is growing exceedingly at the same time as there's trouble. Can I just pause for a minute? And can I just literally, I want to thank God. I've thought about this. It's not a light statement. I thank God for all the problems and pressures that have come my way in life. I really do. Those things that came to bring destruction and difficulty in my life, many of those things, like the Thessalonians, have actually become the seedbed of growing my faith. There were things when I started that it didn't take much to derail me, to distract me, to get me off course, that now I wouldn't even blink at. I'd just go, whatever. Why? Because somehow or other those difficulties were actually the seedbed of growing my faith. Because of things like that, many of you here, you've pressed in and you have discovered things like the shield of faith that does quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You discovered that because something got shot at you. And maybe your initial reaction was, oh no, you know, this is terrible. How could this happen to me? I'm not a good person. And then you read the Bible and you go, hold a second, this might be the fiery darts. And so maybe I ought to hold up the shield of faith like Ephesians 6 says. And that thing that the enemy aimed at you, listen to me, the thing the enemy aimed at you to to distort your thinking and your believing, to attack your mind and your emotions, to bring destruction to you, actually became something that made you stronger instead of weaker. Thank God for all the, the attempts of the oppressor, or else I never would have known that there was a deliverer. I know it sounds weird. I thank God for all the valleys because it was in the valleys that I found the word of God and the presence of God that has comforted me so many times. The problems that looked like they were the end of you were actually the beginning of a bigger you. And this is not a, a message about, oh, you know, let's all sit back and let the devil give us all the trouble in the world and thank God we'll come out of it better. I've seen way too many people come out of trials bitter, not better. I've seen way too many people come out shrunken, not enlarged. So I know that it's not a matter of just having a problem. It is a matter, though, of how you go through those things that come your way in life. And the Bible gives us that. Please, listen, you know, I had a a man say to me once, uh, I was sitting at an academic hall at the high table. Uh, You know, everybody else there had about 17 degrees. And the only thing in my life that had 17 degrees was a thermometer. And uh, it's such a dad joke around there. Anyway, yeah, I'm sitting there. And this guy, this guy with a big plum in his mouth, and he really, I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of him, but he looked at me and he said, mm, I suppose you believe in the life raft theory of evangelism. And I looked at him and I thought, what in the heck is that? What is the life raft theory of evangelism? I said, do you mean that people are drowning and need someone to save them? And he looked at me with utter disdain, like how could you be so thick as to not know what I'm talking about? You know, I had someone say to me once, you know, oh, you're a triumphalist preacher, are you? You know, like somehow or other, there's something wrong because you should be telling us how bad it's all going to get. Well, listen, I read my Bible and if you go to the end of the book, we win. Amen. You go to the end of the book. I don't see the devil sitting there going, yep, got them. Uh, I look at it and it says, my Bible says, you know, that they'll look upon him and laugh at him and say, is this the one that troubled nations? 
And I read my Bible and it doesn't say that somehow or other I'm set for a whole life of misery. There may be seasons of that and times of difficulty. But thank God that if I go through them right and I go through them well, and we'll come to that in a minute, if, if I do that, then I can come out of it with an increase of faith in my life, better equipped to face the next thing. You go, well, show me. I'm glad you asked. First Samuel 17. The story everybody in the world knows, no matter who you are. I think I can go to just about anywhere on the planet and go, have you ever heard of David and Goliath? I go, oh, yeah. Here it is. First Samuel 17, verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, that's Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you. The guy's eight and a half feet tall. I will strike you and I will take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines. I love the fact that he says, after I'm finished with you, I'm taking your entire army out. And he's sitting there and what's he got? He's got five stones and a leather sling. And his own brother has said, you're just a naughty boy. Go home. His own brother alive, verse 28, says, we know the naughtiness of thine heart. Go home. And none of this, the king doesn't believe he can do it. He says, wear my armour. But King Saul was a head taller than everyone in Israel. So, you know, it was kind of like he was massive and, and David's not. The Bible, in one version, describes him as a stripling. In other words, he was a dweeb. He was a weed. He's a skinny little kid like I was in year 10. Shortest kid in my class and about... You know, about 45 kilos dripping wet, you know, and, and there you are out there. And so I'm going to read that to you again. Are you all here with me tonight? Because it says this, This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that the, all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You've got to love somebody that stands in front of a giant and says, I'm going to take you and all your kids and your family and everybody else and look out, we're about to win. And all the rest of them are standing up there going, oh God, this is going to be a massacre. Huh? Because uh, have you noticed in the story, none of the children of Israel go down with him. None of them are going, I'm with you, man. I'm right there. Not, not, not the king not his brothers. None of them go, can I at least go and carry your, your stones for you? None of them do. Now, how, many people you, how many people know sometimes when you face big things in your life, you really are alone? Huh? You know, sometimes it's not because there aren't friends around about you, but sometimes the battle is such an internal thing that nobody else can tell you anyway. No one else could kind of reach in there and be the answer for you. You've got to face it yourself. And that's what this guy does. You're, uh, anyway, let me read on. All this assembly will know that the Lord doesn't save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he's going to give you into my hands. Well, let me ask you a question. How do you get faith like that? I have been scared spitless on more occasions than I care to remember. I was telling uh, Hayden here, he leads red frogs and, uh, you know, there's always challenges because if you're a leader, there's always challenges around about. That's just the way... Life works, you know. If you've got a big vision, then there's always big opposition. It just goes with the territory, trust me. I don't know any verse in the Bible that says, get a great vision and life will be easy. I don't know anything like that. We've got 
transform Mark and, and Andy here and all the marvelous ministry that that is and all the stuff with hope and all the things that you want to do. And, and the vision is always so much bigger than any of the resources you've got, any of the people that are with you, which is massive. And so you want to do all this stuff and this guy is in that place. Well, you know, I've been on the opposite side of it. I've been where I faced it and I might have been brave outwardly, but inwardly, I'm just cringing. Inwardly, I'm going, oh God, isn't there someone else? You know what I mean? Come on. Am I the only one here or am I the only honest one here? How many people here have ever wished that God had chosen somebody other than you for the job? Yeah. Well, if only God had asked someone else, if only someone else. How many people here have ever got on Instagram or Twitter and you read about that other Christian, that other person, and their life is going and everything's amazing and it's flourishing and there's abundance and you, you feel like putting on Twitter, life sucks. <laughs> oh, okay, again, I'm the only one on that one. You're out on your own, buddy. Uh, how do you get faith like that? You've got to understand this guy doesn't start there. Look back at verse 34. But David said to Saul, the king, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came, took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it, delivered the lamb from its mouth and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and, everyone say and. You have been through the difficulty. They didn't think you were going to get into university. They said you hadn't qualified. And they said you wouldn't make it, but you got in there. You slew the, the lion. You got past that thing. But now you're out of there. And they say there's no jobs in the sector. Can I say to you, never forget the divine and in your life. You need to have an and. You look back over and say, I thought I was finished. They told me I'd never make it. I was talking to a man the, the, today in our church. And I don't want to identify him, but let's just say that he's incredibly highly paid specialist in his field. He's got several degrees and stuff and doing some amazing things. And yet for a period of time, his season was so difficult, he couldn't get any work. The whole sector that he was involved with stopped. He was looking at, at going literally to the other side of the world. People would promise him things. And I used to ring him up and, and he'd say, you are ringing up on the right day. Because today, this is what I heard. But I spoke to him this morning. I said, how's it going? He said, it is so good. It's going so well. And I told him that I'd actually spoken his story to someone in exactly the same position, also in our church, and told him about it. And he was so chuffed. He said, oh, wow, thank God my story can be an encouragement to someone else. Don't forget the divine hands. You know what I mean? I, I thought I couldn't do it. They said I wouldn't make it. They said that I, they'd never give me the loan. But the divine and, Nick, are you with me here tonight? Come on, get the divine and in your life. I don't know what you're facing right now, but look back and then put an and onto it. That's what he did. He looked back to what God did and. He looked back and. He looked back and. God did all of that. That's what happened in my life. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them singers defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the poor of the lion, from the poor of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, go. Not, oh, that's so inspiring, I'm coming too. But just go. How many people love good Christian friends like that? 
They just said, good, God bless you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they go home and go, well, thank God that's not me. That's where this guy's at in this whole thing. How do you get faith to face a giant and a win? And win? Here's the answer. Start with your lion. As simple as that. What are you facing right now? Maybe it's your lion. Maybe it's your bear. You've got to remember that when David faced the lion and the bear, he had no idea that Goliath was coming. It's not like he went, it's okay. I know I'm going to live because I've seen the movie and there is a Goliath coming, so I have to live. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like that. How many know that when you're in it, you're in it? And when you're in it, you can't see past it. And when you're in it, you feel like this is the rest of your life and the end of your life and there's nothing good's going to come out of it. That's the way it looks like to you. He's just a boy alone and, and scared and a lion comes and he doesn't know about the Goliath. He cannot see any purpose. When it happens, listen to me, because I know I'm talking to some people here tonight and you are in a mess right now or you're in pressure right now, you're in problems right now, listen to me, and you in your life, can see zero purpose for it. You look at it and it's just a, a, a debacle, a mess, a problem. All you wish is that you could fix it, turn it up, get rid of it and solve the whole thing. And you can see no purpose for it, but there was a purpose to the lion and the bear because God wanted to give him an end. Are you with me here tonight? God wants to give you your own end. It's fine for you to read about David, but God wants to give me my own hand so that I can say, God delivered me out of the line of the bed and he's going to take me on with all that's there. How do you get giant killing faith? Well, you start with your lion because the lion is what gets you ready for the giants in your life. But it's not just having a problem because lots of people have them. And as I said before, some people come out of their problems better and some people come out better. Some people come out bigger and some people come out absolutely shrunk. They're smaller. And and can we all be honest here for a minute? Is this okay? Because I know what it's like to come to church and, and, and smile, but inside you're dying. Inside you feel like everybody else has got their life together except you. You're the only one that's really, you know, totally, you know, not making it. And if people really knew it, and it's so easy to feel like that, listen to this message because it's a message of hope for you that God is with you and he wants to give you a divine hand. God wants to give you a divine hand. Look back. God, if you did this, God, if you did that, if you brought me here and if you took me to that and you opened up that door, I think about that so often. You know, if God started it, then why would we ever dare to think God won't finish it? The scripture says, he that begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean dragging you into heaven by the skin, you know, the, the what is it we say, by the hair of your chinny chin chin. You know, just barely getting in there, just slipping over the threshold of the heaven and you fall into heaven. And someone goes, oh, thank God he made it. We're wondering. It's not like that. You're not going to, you're not going to crawl across the threshold of the pearly gates, you're going to walk in with your head up high and say, there was a divine hand in my life, in Jesus' name. There was a divine hand. Might not feel like there's faith here in this place tonight. If you will take hold of it, if you will empty out all the stuff, yeah, but, yeah, but you don't, and what about? If you will let God build something in it. Stay with me here a minute. I'm coming to land any minute now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
tells me that it's not just having a problem. Verse 16 says, therefore, team, please come. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward life is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Watch this. Watch this. It's up on the screen. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, if it stopped there, we would just go, well, there you go. See, God's got it all under control. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to verse 18. And it says, it's working for me something greater, something better, while. So apparently in this equation, it's not just up to God and His greatness and His grace. Somehow or other, I've got a part in place. It says, while we don't look, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, he's saying this. It's not just about having a problem. It's what you're looking at while you're in it. What's, what's, kept, come on, what's capturing your attention here? What that person did? How badly they treated you? Whose fault it was? You, and you know, and you, if only you'd known. And, and what about that? And that person let you down? Is that what's holding your attention? They're the things that are seen. Or are you going to say tonight, God, I'm going to let the things that are not seen capture my attention in Jesus' name. I'll give you one more illustration of this and we're finished. Let's go back to the same guy, David. I, I, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody preach this. And I'm always amazed. I think they think it's far too carnal, too natural. But let's find out what David was looking at when he went to Goliath. Ready? This is verse 25. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And listen, And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, Who cares? I'm only in it for God's glory. It doesn't matter about reward. I'm not interested in those earthly things. I'm just trusting Jesus and I'm going to walk out there and I don't want any praise or I don't want any recognition. I just, and they sang songs about David and he listened to them and wrote them down. Sometimes we are more spiritual than God is. Then David spoke, verse 26, to the men who stood by him saying, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine? And takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should divide the armies of the living God? And the people answered him again in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. I'm not saying David did it for riches and for exemption from taxes. I am saying that he kept asking the question about was it true? So evidently, he's, when he walked out there, he's going, you know what, I'm going to get you and look out. My family's going to have a wonderful time. You know, we're going to never pay tax ever again. And there won't be any shoddy, dodgy accounting involved. We're just going to never have to pay tax again, even though we've been made phenomenally rich. And by the way, I get the king's daughter. Woo-hoo! King's son-in-law. woo Made it. woo In the family. Yay! All that stuff there. The reward on the other side of the problem was what held his attention. And I'm asking you tonight, are you, are you filling your heart and mind with what's on the other side of this? Oh, I'm gone. I'm just praying against it. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm just gone. 
God, I'm just praying I didn't die. God, I'm praying I, God, I'm just praying I don't collapse. I forget the people like that. Oh, God, I'm just hoping God just gets me there. Huh? If I can just get into heaven, just walk out of the and if I could just, just get there, it's all like, I'm amazed how many Christians I've spoken to over the years who all they want to do is get to heaven. And I go, what a, pardon me, can I say this? That's a pretty low-grade thing to have as your purpose in life. I just want to get there. Heck, I don't. I want to have a whole lot of people who, when they walk in the door, go, Jeff, help me. Jeff, help me. Jeff preached. Jeff, help me. Jeff invited me to church. Huh? That's so kind of, brother. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently David was kind of then because David kept asking, tell me what's going to happen. You can go from faith to faith in your life. God wants you to. Have a divine hand and then let the focus of your life. What's on the other side of this? Come on, some of you here, you're in, you're in diabolical straits right now. But you've got to sit there and start seeing, God, what's on the other side of this? I'll have a testimony of your grace and goodness that will inspire others. God, my family that have resisted you, are gonna, they're going to see that you were involved. Come on. Can you, can you start to dream that dream? And David never just heard it once. He went and heard it again and again and again and again. So that when he went out there, there's no doubt he was trusting God. There's no doubt his motives were right. But I'm also telling you, he went out there saying, I know what the reward's going to be in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what I think about with this church. I think about what's the reward of more people coming and more people being touched. It's not a bigger crowd. It's the opportunity to do way more and to be able to help more. And, and imagine what you could do in hope if you had twice the budget and if you had twice the, the uh, people, volunteers. Imagine how much more you could do. Imagine if you, instead of being part-time staff, you're on full-time staff. Imagine if you had an executive assistant, and then you had another assistant, and then you had a, someone answering the phones. And, and imagine, and we go, oh, I go, no, exactly, that's what David did. Let me see what's on the other side. Let me see what's on the other side of that in Jesus' name. Are you with me? Come on, stand to your feet. Let's pray together. My time's gone. I've enjoyed myself. I hope you have. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just put our hands out before God and say, Lord, would you grow my faith despite everything that's going on, despite the mess, despite the problems, despite the pressure. Lord, I want to be like the, the, like the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want it to be said about me that his or her faith is growing exceedingly despite the pressure and the persecution, despite the obstacles in the way. God, my life is growing. I want to be like David, a divine hand in my life. I've seen you do this and I'm believing. God, you're going to do even more in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, help us, we pray. Every single one of us. God, I know that for every life here, there is already a divine hand. Every one of us can look back and go, look what God did and... Therefore, see what he's going to do. Look what he did. Remember that when they said that had never happened? When they told you you'd never get that job? When they said you'd never get accepted into that course, but you did? Well, come on, now you're there and you've got a different problem. Let the divine hand start working in your life in the name of Jesus. Begin to pray right now and say, oh God, 
God, I rest in that divine hand. If you did it before, I know you'll do even more. I know what you started, you're going to finish. I know what you began, God. You're going to increase. We're going to see more than that. Lord, I might be in a difficult place right now, but I've seen you move and I know you're going to do even more in the precious name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You know, it all begins, though, with someone saying yes to Christ. Doesn't matter who you are. It all begins with saying yes to Jesus. Jesus died for you. No other religious leader on the planet ever claimed to die for everybody else. Some of them, well, they might have died, but you know, they never claimed that they did it and laid down their life. They never claimed that they rose from the dead and that they were seeing 500 people saw Jesus after his resurrection. 500 people. That's a lot. And, and all of that for you, all of that for humanity. I never get tired of this. I, I hear all the rubbish that people talk about church and God and all this stuff. And I think if only you could step past all that and find God, you'd find out He's amazing and wonderful and beautiful and He's loving and He's kinder than any human you'll ever meet. And He's gracious and He's wise and He's good. And He's amazing and He loves you so much. He just wants to make your life something special and beautiful by letting Jesus in there. I think that. I think, gee, I'd like to, I just, you know what I mean? I get frustrated. Someone was texting me during the week about some program on television about Christians all arguing one another. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Because that might be Christians arguing and it might be different religious viewpoints, but it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. Amen. Your doctrine didn't die for you, but the Savior died for you. Amen. Somebody called Jesus. Not a doctrine, not a program, not a ministry, not a church name, not a denomination. Someone called Jesus said, I love you. Look, I'll show you. We're going to celebrate this Easter weekend. Maybe you've never said yes to Christ. You can it's as simple as that. You go, oh, Jeff, it can't be that. Surely I've got to prove to God I'm worthy. I know I'm not. No, you don't. He says you can come literally like you are. He stood on the great day of the feast, it says, John's Gospel. He said, whoever wants to, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. There was a whole lot of religious paraphernalia going on. There was bustle and hustle and all kinds of bells and smells and incense and nonsense and all kinds of stuff. And there, there were the religious leaders and all their robes and stuff. And in the middle of it all is Jesus saying, come to me. Come on, you can do that tonight. I want to pray with you. Bow your head with me a moment. If you want to make this prayer yours, just pray it quietly after me, would you? This is how it goes. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I matter to you. I need you in my life. Forgive me. Save me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Amen. 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 Foal, come up here wherever you are, bro. Where's Foal? He was there a minute ago. No, he's disappeared. He's already out there. That's okay. Put up the yes. Oh, there it's already. Um, I, I got a good friend of mine, Dr. Robbie Sondrager. He's going to be in our church here later in the year for an MYA conference I think and uh, but come on up folk and uh, I was telling him about yes text and how we get them at 2am and, and 3am in the morning because somebody was in church and heard us talk about it or watched the video or saw the podcast and maybe took one of these home come up and uh, 
And uh, I said, we get them all hours of the day and night and we hear back stories of people profoundly impacted by Christ because they simply said yes. That's one of the great ways in it, Phil. They can do that. You run a a group. I I was going to say a course, but it's so not a course. It is so like, I don't know if everybody that goes to it goes, it is amazing. We all care about one another. That's on a Wednesday night. Is that every Wednesday? Fortnightly. Fortnightly. When's the next one? In a fortnight's time. In a fortnight's time. So not this Wednesday, but the one after. Anybody can come to that. And really, if they're new, because I know what it's like to be new and go, uh, I don't know where anything is. I don't know anything about the Bible. You know, I remember, I I won't tell you, I haven't got time for all those silly stories, but they're true ones about where people said things to me as a joke and I thought they must be true. So I knew nothing of the Bible. And yet you're helping people to grow like that. And uh, if you want to go and see this guy, he'll be out at the Connect Hub because he's wearing the Here to Help badge. So he'll be out there. You go up to him and he's a great guy. And go and see Foal and just say, Foal, I'm interested. I want to follow Jesus. He'll help you do that because you just love helping people do that, don't you? You're a good man. Thanks, mate. All the best. Fantastic. So do that, would you? Text it through to 0488826392. You can do it at yes.metrochurch.org.au if you'd rather get it off email. And that's great. Is that really the time already? How can it be that time? I'm sure I never preached very long. It must have been, the, must have been all the praying for people and the worship. But uh, we don't, that's stressed out on time anyway. I do know that there is uh, potato wedges with sour cream and sweet chili sauce. <laughs> and that's waiting out there, sizzling as we speak. That's free for everybody. But I, I really want us to go out with a song here tonight, not because it's the way to finish the service, but because I want to give you another minute to stop and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let a divine hand come in my life. I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to grow me. My faith's going to grow. I'm going to get stronger in Jesus' name. Thanks, Jeremy. Take it away. Come on. Sorry, hallelujah.